Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. So today we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus was crucified, he died, he was buried, and then three days later, on the third day, he rose from the dead. And he appeared to various people at various times. He appeared to his friends, his followers, his disciples for 40 days. After 40 days, he ascended into heaven. And we read in Luke chapter 24 and verse 50, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. The physical, the risen from the dead Jesus is alive and is now in heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father. And one day he will come back and he will come back to earth and put all things right. He'll make everything new again. That's what the Bible teaches. And that's why we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead because it changes everything. Now Jesus appeared to many, many people after he rose from the dead. So the gospel writers have no shortage in, in appearance accounts to choose from. In fact, Luke even shows us that he knows of other accounts of Jesus appearing to people that he hasn't included in his gospel. So in, in verse 34, the disciples say, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. But Luke doesn't bother to tell us how Jesus appeared to Simon. He clearly knows about it, but he's chosen not to include it. He merely selects the ones he wants, as do all the other gospel writers. Now, John's selection is pretty cool. But Luke's, I love Luke's selection, especially this story about the road to Emmaus. It's just full of so much humor. It all starts with the woman, Mary Magdalene and a couple of other women, going to the tomb to embalm Jesus' body first thing in the morning. But when they get there, they discover that the stone has been rolled away. The tomb is empty and the body is missing. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, two men appear dressed in white, messengers from God. And they say, why do you look for the living among the dead? Good question. And then they say in verse 6, He is not here. He has risen. And so the woman rush off to go and tell the other disciples, but the other disciples don't believe them. they first century Jewish men. You can't trust the testimony of an emotional and delirious woman. But at least Peter decides to go and check it out for himself. And when he gets there, he discovers that the tomb is empty except for the, the strips of linen lying by themselves. As if Jesus' body has merely evaporated through them. Later that very day, later that very day, two guys, could have been two, a guy and a girl, could have been a married couple, we don't know, because only one of them is named. But these two have witnessed Jesus' death. And, and now they feel hopeless. So they've packed up and they're going home. 
so they leave Jerusalem and they're on their way to Emmaus, which is about a seven-mile journey. And while they're walking, they're discussing Jesus' death. And they're trying to make sense of it all. And we read in verse 15, As they walked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So they're busy discussing Jesus' death, and they're trying to make sense of it all, and then suddenly Jesus just appears. The very person who can answer all their questions. But they kept from recognizing him. They're unable to recognize him. Perhaps it's because of Jesus' new risen from the dead body. Or perhaps Jesus is in some kind of disguise. You know those black glasses, rubber nose, fake mustache? But either way, Jesus doesn't enlighten them. He doesn't say, hey guys, it's me, Jesus. No, rather he plays along with them. And it says he, he actually pretends... He actually pretends he doesn't know what they're talking about. And he asks in verse 17, what are you discussing? I can just imagine the look of total disbelief on these two guys' face as they say, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here these days? Are you kidding us? You don't know what has just happened? How hard do you think it was at that moment for Jesus to keep a straight face? I mean, how hard must it be not to be laughing? Jesus' response is priceless. With a twinkle in his eye, he says, What things? (laughs) What things? They say, About Jesus of Nazareth. You can just imagine Jesus suddenly covering his name badge that says Jesus of Nazareth. You see, Jesus is probing them to discover what they think, trying to find out their perceptions. And so they tell Jesus uh, that, that they thought Jesus was a prophet, that he was a powerful prophet, but unfortunately now he's dead. So they must have been wrong. And they say... In verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped he was the Messiah, the anointed one, God's chosen king, who was going to defeat all evil and suffering. But we must have been wrong. He's dead. And so they are hopeless. They feel hopeless. But they also feel confused. Because there's this mounting evidence that Jesus has risen from the dead. This, this crazy report from the emotional and delirious woman and, and the tomb's empty. And, and so they, they feel hopeless and confused. Have you ever felt hopeless and confused? And so Jesus asks them another question. In verse 26, he says, Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Before they can even say, um, we read, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, that's the entire Old Testament, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. 
Wow. So there's Jesus, and he's explaining to them how the whole sweep of the Old Testament points to him. How he fulfills the whole Old Testament. And how the Old Testament says that he needed to suffer and die and then rise again. And get this. They still don't recognize him. I mean, as a Bible teacher... This is where I expect them to recognize Jesus. I mean, he's going through the Bible and he's going, yes, that's about me. Yes, that's about me. Yes, they still don't recognize him. But they've obviously taken a liking to him. So when they get home, they invite him to come in and, and join them with their off, late afternoon meal. But we read in verse 28 that, that Jesus pretended that he wanted to go further. He actually, he actually acted as if he wanted to go further. So they have to start pleading with him. No, no, come, please. And he's like, oh, all right, if you insist. As if he had any intention of going anywhere else. When he's inside, he assumes the role of host at the meal rather than a guest. And he does, just as he did at the feeding of the 5,000, and just as he did at the Last Supper. And we read in verse 30, He took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And then we read in verse 31, Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. It wasn't when he was talking to them on the road. It wasn't even when he was teaching the Bible to them. But when he took bread and gave thanks. When, when he took the role of a host and served them. This was the most characteristic thing about Jesus. He took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and he gave it. Just as he allowed his body to be taken and broken and given so that we might experience forgiveness. Suddenly, they recognize who he is. Everything makes sense to them. Later, they say, weren't our hearts strangely warmed when he talked to us on the road and when he talked and he opened the scriptures to us? But before they're even able to take a single bite, we read in verse 31, and he disappeared from their sight. He just disappeared from their sight. Imagine how spooked they must have felt. Did we imagine the whole thing? No. Someone was here. Look, there's still that rubber nose and fake mustache on warm on the table. And so they rush all the way back to Jerusalem. They've just made a seven-mile journey to Emmaus. They haven't even had anything to eat. And now they're rushing all the way back to Jerusalem to tell everyone they've met the risen Jesus. Of course, when they get there, they discover that Jesus has already appeared to Simon Peter. And while they're busy discussing this, we read in verse 36, and while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Jesus just suddenly appeared in their room and said, Hi. That, peace, shalom, is just a standard greeting in, for, for the Jews. Hi. 
We read in verse 37, they were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. This time, they all recognize Jesus, but they, they find it easier to, to believe that, that this must be a, some kind of ghostly manifestation of Jesus rather than the physical risen from the dead Jesus. And so Jesus says in, uh, in verse 39, Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And they look. And they touch. And they stand there, mouth open, staring and stunned. And while they stare in there, stunned, Jesus says, So what's in the fridge? You got anything to eat? At this time of the day, they've probably all eaten. And, and so they go looking for some leftovers and they find some fish. And we're reading verse 42 and 43. They gave him a piece of boiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. Now the one thing I've learned from the movie Pirates of the Caribbean is that ghosts and spiritual beings and some kind of undead manifestation, they can't eat and drink. It's just food and drink all over the carpet. The sure fact that Jesus could take a piece of fish and eat it in their presence is undeniable evidence that he had physically risen from the dead. Of course, this raises the question, what exactly do we mean when we say Jesus rose from the dead? Well, whoops. firstly, it obviously doesn't mean a spiritual rising. It's not just spiritually rising from the dead. The tomb was empty. The physical body had risen. You could touch him. He could eat. But it also wasn't merely resuscitation. Jesus hadn't merely been resuscitated from the dead. Many people have been resuscitated from the dead through medical intervention or through some kind of miraculous intervention. Jesus himself brought many people back from the dead, such as Jairus' daughter and Lazarus. Yet we don't celebrate the fact that they came back from the dead, do we? No. But we do celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Because Jesus wasn't merely resuscitated. You see, all these people who were resuscitated eventually died. Sure, they might have lived for another few more years, but they all died. Jesus wasn't merely resuscitated. Rather, Jesus went through death and came out the other side. See, it's not so much that Jesus comes back from the dead. Rather, Jesus goes through death and comes out the other side never to die again. And when Jesus went through death and came out the other side, he had a new, transformed body. It was still the same body. The, the tomb was empty. It was still the same body, but it had been transformed. It was a, a new, supernatural body. A body that could appear, disappear, but still a physical body that could eat and be touched. And this is our hope. If you put your faith in Jesus, then you too can go through death 
and come out the other side with a, a new transformed body. It'll still be the same body, but it'll be transformed. It, it will become a, a supernatural body that will not get sick or decay or die, but will live forever. And that's our hope. And, and everyone's body is going to be, be perfect. It's going to be flawless. It'll have no perfect imperfections. Well, that's everyone except for one. Only one person's going to have scars, and that's Jesus. The scars on his hands and his feet as an eternal reminder to us of the cost of our salvation. That it was only because Jesus was prepared to have his body taken up, broken, and given for us so that we could experience forgiveness and peace and have a sure and a certain hope of eternal life. That's our hope. And it is a sure and a certain hope because Jesus rising from the dead and appearing to many, many people proves it. Often we like the the two guys walking on the road. We're often blinded to the truth. We don't see it. We, we feel as though our hopes have been crushed. And we often feel confused. Life is hard. Life is confusing. We just think of, of Fuddy and Sherry, uh, Sherry at this time. Feeling hopeless, feeling confused. And it's in those times we need to remember the Easter message. It's in those times that the Easter message gives us hope. Because we know that the risen Jesus is walking with us on the road, even if we don't realize it. And when we read the Bible, Jesus is speaking to us. And when we gather together to break bread together, Jesus is uniquely present with us. And His presence brings peace and forgiveness and hope. And so we can say to each other, isn't our heart strangely warmed as we walk together? as we read the Bible together, and as we break bread together. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Easter message. We thank you that you have gone through death and come out the other side, and you have pioneered a way for us to follow that we too can experience that new, transformed, supernatural life. Father, we thank you too that Jesus was prepared to pay the price for that. That he was prepared to have his body taken up, broken and given for us, for our salvation, for our forgiveness, for, for us to be able to follow through death and to come out the other side. And Father, we thank you that we have this hope, even in the midst of all the confusion and all 
the hurt and pain within the world, that we have the sure and certain hope. And we thank you that even in those times when we, we really struggle, we thank you that you, the risen Jesus, are with us by your Holy Spirit, walking with us, comforting us, speaking to us, meeting us. And we thank you that you promise never to leave us, nor forsake us, but to be with us until the very end of this age. And so, Father, we thank you for Easter. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.